0: All right, with that said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, make sure you get by and greet our visitors. Uh, They were recommended to come to the church from some people from my brother's church. I call it my brother's. It's Hope Baptist Church. It's our home church. And some family in there, and they have moved to the area. And so they're looking for a church to attend. And so you make sure that they feel welcome and that you turn on our charm, because our church is noted for family, family atmosphere. Nope, we're not big and fancy. Uh, We're not so crowded that we lose touch with the individual people. We're a family-oriented church, and so you make sure they feel welcomed as family this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 And I would like to read starting from verse 1, and I will probably um, comment as I read down through here to give us context for the message. And he says, moreover, brethren, he said, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. If you need a verse that goes with that, John chapter 16, about verse 7, where he talks about truth. Uh, The Lord says, I tell you the truth and the gospel that we're going to preach this morning and what we're going to talk this morning about is going to be the truth. Uh, We're not talking about relative truth. We're not talking about the devil's version of the truth. We're talking about truth with a capital T, of the gospel, which is the good news that God uh, has uh, uh, declared to us. He give us His Son to pay our sin debts so that we can receive Him. And go to heaven when we die. Now watch what he says here. He says, which also ye have received. And that is one of those descriptor words. Uh, there's a, a big movement today. Well, all you do is believe and you believe. And they're, they're, the, the devil is very deceptive and he wants, you to, he wants to cheapen the, the definition of the word believe. But the English... The Bible, he inserts these words to help you get a firm grip on what he means when he says to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about receiving Christ. So which you had received and wherein you stand. When you receive it and you believe it with the heart, you're going to act upon it. And that's what he's talking about. You're going to stand on it. And then he says, by which also you are saved... Now here's a troublesome part. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. He said, preacher, were you saying I could lose it if I don't remember? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the, the method or the mode or your agenda. Why did you believe in the gospel or why did you say you believe? Some people they get saved, or they call. we call that they have a profession. They'll profess Christ because they're in a bad life circumstance. And so they want to tap out. They hear a message, they become emotionally moved, and they tap out and they say, oh, I want to believe in that, I'm going to believe in that, because they hear about how Christ comforts us and how Christ gives us that peace, and they're looking for peace. But they really didn't believe With their hearts. And how you know that, here's how you would know this. When you ask them for a testimony, and a testimony is a declaration, you're going to give an eyewitness account of what happened the moment you realized you were lost upon hearing the gospel. And that the Holy Spirit started convicting you. And the moment you received Christ... And you did so because you knew you were lost and you had a sin debt that you could not pay. Not because you had gambled all of your rent money at the gambling casino and knew you were in trouble with your spouse. Oh, I've heard some wonderful uh, stories uh, these last 11 years about people's accounts of why they got saved or how they got saved. And this is what he's talking about. He says, I want to know if you've received Christ and if you've remember. He says, if you keep in memory. So do you have a story or do you have a testimony? That's what he's talking about there. He says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, How that Christ died for our sins, not according to his opinion, he says, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part Remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, now I'm going to uh, give you a commentary on this. Last of all, he was seen of me. Also, as of one born out of due time, you say, why'd you emphasize that? There are a lot of people run around the day trying to tell you they've seen Jesus. And your Bible just told you the last person to see the resurrected Lord was the Apostle Paul here on this earth. Trust your Bible. Trust your Bible. For I am the least of the Apostles. That I'm not meet to be called an apostle, and he's going to tell you why he wasn't, uh, he did not earn this, or he, he, did not, uh, he, he, he didn't deserve to be an, an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And I'll throw this in here. Saved people don't persecute other saved people, lost people persecute Save people. And the Apostle Paul, one of the things that changed in his life when he met Christ on the Damascus Road is he stopped persecuting the church of God. Keep that down in your, put that down in your bag there and remember that. You say, oh, preacher, I was a part of a bad church split once and there was people and they were angry with each other and they were abusive to each other. Did you ever stop to think, and I've had to say this and tell church people this or say people, what made you think everybody in that church split was God's children? You're like, uh, yeah. The devil is deceptive and he hates God's work. He opposes God's work. Now, I, I understand that might not be Easter bunnies and Easter eggs this morning, and we're going to get to the good part. Uh, but that's our problem our, in our country. We want to ignore truth and ignore facts and see it the way God sees it from the Word of God. And he says, but by the grace of God, this is why God allowed him to be an apostle, by the grace of God. And by the grace of God, uh, we are what we are. And he says, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Amen. 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 God didn't give His grace on the Apostle Paul, and it wasn't in vain. I believe some people, they get saved, and it's, hmm, God's grace is in vain. I have preached a message on that once. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, he's going to get to the problem at hand. If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Sadducees should come to your mind. They did not believe that there was a resurrection. There could not be life after death. They also did not believe in angels or spirits. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Now remember, Hymenaeus and Philetus were part of the group that were coming through saying there there was no resurrection or it had passed already. Uh, The Sadducees and some of them were getting in the church and they were trying to teach and they were trying to confuse the saints and to discourage the saints that Christ didn't rise from the dead. There's no life after death. And he's laying this out. He says, look, if the Lord never rose again... All the preaching we're doing is in vain. Our faith, which is our salvation, is vain also. It's null and void. And he's going to go on here. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Uh Uh-oh, now we've got a problem. Then they also, which are fallen asleep. He's talking about saved loved ones. In Christ are perished. Well, that's not very comforting. That's correct. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, he's implying that some people are saying because Jesus never arose from the dead that this thing we call salvation or faith is only something that uh, it's, it's been a devised story to give people some hope in this life. And so he's going to move on here, and he says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and because the first fruits or became the first fruits of them that slept, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come. We thank you now. Lord, help us today. Lord, we already see that the devil is trying to get in through the electronics and trying to disrupt. And, and why? It's because it's the day that we have set aside. This is the day that we've set aside to uh, um, celebrate you rising from the dead. Lord, the, the devil does not want us to be reminded of that because it means he was judged and lost his battle at the cross. Lord, let us be reminded of these things because you live today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You see, if Jesus Christ never rose from the dead, then everything that we believe and practice would be in vain. There would be no sense in being in this church house this morning. There'd be no sense in trying to live our lives in accordance with the Scripture. If the Lord is still dead, then everything we would do is vain. With that said, I believe there's a lot of Christians today that are miserable, who live their lives as if Christ is dead. They live powerless lives, devoid of the constraining power of Of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible is clear that we are more than conquerors. The Bible has declared that if you're born again, you're a conqueror in Christ. You've been set free from the bondage of sin. And so, saved born again people do not have to live miserable lives thinking that there is no hope. So I'll give you to the heart of the message, because he lives. Because he lives, he says, the preaching of the cross is real. There in verse 14, we see it here. He says, and if Christ be not risen, so he's given you this argument. He said, what are we doing? He's talking to the Corinthian church here, and they had many problems, a very carnal church. And he says, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain. And I'm telling you this morning, because He lives, uh, the preaching of the cross is real. The Bible declares this in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek So he says there's power in this message that we preach. And I will declare to you from personal experience there's no more powerful preaching you can preach than when you begin to preach about Jesus and Him crucified and risen again the third day to save us. There's a supernatural power connected with that. There's power in the gospel preaching because He lives. There's no uh, more powerful preaching. The world, the lost, now they think the preaching's foolish. Remember here, he started this book that he said the lost people, they think the preaching of the cross is foolishness. And he says those that perish, saying they're lost, they've not been born again, they think what we do And how we conduct ourselves, that's just plain foolish. And I don't know if you've recognized it, but I'm beginning to see it that the mood in America is turning against Christians. I I don't know if you've seen that. But a lot of things are being blamed on Christianity or the way that the Bible has us live and think to the point that we're called haters and not uh, Christians or children of God. And here's why the lost crowd, the foolish, they don't like the preaching. It confronts them about their sin problem. Look with me here in verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received... How that Christ died for our sins. You see, part of the gospel presentation, when you're going to tell somebody about their need to accept Jesus, the first point in that presentation is, why did Jesus die? You know, I thought about this this week. Did Jesus die because he thought it was cool? Did he die because he wanted to uh, start a new Iron Man contest? You know, not many people live through a cat-of-nine-tails beating. Jesus endured that scourging and he lost so much blood there. If he was just a human, he would have never even made it to the cross with how they had abused him. And Isaiah tells us that our sins is what put those stripes on the back of Christ. Our sins is why they smote him. Our sins is why they plucked his beard out. Our sins is why they nailed him to the cross. Our sins is why they pierced his side with a spear. And so man must be confronted about his sin problem. And that just is stroking the cat the wrong way. People don't like that. They want to think that God loves their sin. God does not like your sin. Your sins are not okay with God. I don't care what this by world says, but the Bible says the wages of sin is death. God is at enmity with this sin-filled crowd. Now, when you preach like that, and that is the gospel, people immediately equate that because you disagree with their lifestyle and how they're living, that you hate them. Then Jesus would have never died. God so loved the world... But God loves us so much, He's not going to allow us to remain in sin. Sin is an atrocity against God. And I'm not talking about breaking the speed limit. I'm talking about transgressing God's commandments. Sin is the transgression of the law, God's law. And so our preaching is real because He lives. You can't get around the fact and answer the question, why did Jesus die if God's just okay with sin? God's not okay with sin. It had to be dealt with. And the only person that could deal with the sin problem of this world was the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. that's part of the gospel. And if someone who has tried to preach you the gospel never wanted to talk about sin, good old-fashioned sin, they were trying to sell you something or they wanted your money in their offering plates. Or maybe they wanted you to buy something online, you know, from them. There's a lot of that stuff going around. The wages of sin is death. Christ was buried. Christ rose again on the third day. You see, the preaching of the cross is real. And I want to draw your attention to something I've seen this morning. Because he gets into the resurrection. And I'm not trying to diminish the cross part of the gospel. But he is hinging everything... And what gives this thing power is the resurrection. And I see people, they carry crosses around. They wear it as jewelry. And, but I've never seen anybody wear an empty tomb around them. Biblically speaking, that would be more right. <laughs> because our, our Christ, is, there's a cross back there, and we, got, we light it up sometimes. He's not still on the cross. Now we use that as a symbol to remind us, to orient us, to put us in the context about the death of Christ. It was important. But then he begins to build this case like a lawyer would on the resurrection. And that is what brings the power to all of this. And he says he was seen of the 12 apostles. First, he was seen of Cephas. Then he was seen at the same time above, of, of, above 500 people. So you've got over 500 people at the same exact time saying they seen Christ after his death in a body form. That's important. See, there are some people in religions that believed that Christ rose but only in spirit form. Well, the Bible says that he had bone and he had flesh because Thomas, and you know I'm going to say what I'm getting ready to say next, those of you that have been with me a long time. See, he missed that Sunday evening service on the first day of the week. You knew I was going there, didn't you? <laughs> and hence, what do we call Thomas? Doubting Thomas. Do you have doubting problems? Well, I definitely wouldn't be skipping out on the evening services. Because sometimes, that's when the power of the Holy Spirit of God will show up. The Lord might show up this morning. The Holy Spirit of God might show up and move in. And He might not. You say, oh, I thought the Holy Spirit was always here. Well, He is, but there's other spirits here too. But sometimes he comes through on an evening service just like he did this Sunday morning, this resurrection morning, which is the first day of the week. They were gathered together on that same night in fear of the Jews, but they were assembled together. What do you think they were talking about? (laughs) Yeah, their Savior. And all of a sudden he walks through that door and appears to them. Now, Thomas wasn't there. He developed a problem. That's why we're having Sunday evening service. Let me put it here like this. And I'm not getting on you. Not getting on you. You do what? You do you, boo. (laughs) I like that. You do you, boo. (laughs) But as for me and my house, I'll be here this evening. You say, yeah, but this is Easter. This is a holiday, I understand. And and what, what bothers me? As there's more so-called Christians more excited about the pagan side of this thing than they are the Christian side of this thing. And I believe it to be a sign of where we're at, Laodicean. And I'm not getting on any, I'm not taking a cheap shot at anybody. I'm telling you why your pastor does what he does. You don't have to do what I do. But I got Bible to back up what I'm doing and I believe it to be Right. Biblical and fitting, I'm not trying to shame you into anything. I'm just telling you, do you have doubting problems somewhere around the year? Like, man, I just don't know. Man, I know God? what God's done in the past, but maybe God run out of power. I understand, Thomas. You've been missing out when the Lord peer, appears huh, to us. I will tell you this, our Wednesday night services and Sunday night services are better than Sunday morning services. Say, oh no, I thought this was it. No, I'm struggling this morning. <laughs> I'm struggling, if you haven't noticed, to try to get a train of thought and, and, to, and to kick this thing up. That's why I know, and it's, it's, it's okay, it's just the Holy Spirit's not come in yet, and it's all right. I told you that last week. I know what it is to preach with the anointing of the Spirit, and I know... How it is when he ain't here. Maybe I didn't pray enough. I don't know. Uh, uh, But uh, I know this. I think the devil's fighting a little extra hard because he don't want us talking about because he lives. I know he don't. I know he hates it when his children, God's children, gather together uh, for a time of fellowship and preaching and singing about Jesus is alive today man now let me get back to this point the apostle paul said hey he said i was the last person to see him alive i want to bring some things to your mind about this and i'll move on it never talks about any witnesses of the crucifixion you ever thought question that why didn't say well there was plenty of witnesses of the crucifixion why nobody doubts that you know that anybody with any common sense, if they even read if they read history, they don't even have to be in the Bible, they will admit that there was a man named Jesus and they crucified him, the Romans did. That's not the point of contention. No one with any sense disputes the burial. Not even swooners. We were talking about that in the Sunday school class. That's a theory that Jesus didn't die. He just was knocked out and he got in that tomb and then he woke up and he got out of there. That's called the swooners theory. Man, I've never heard that. Well, (laughs) we got some good Sunday school classes. We learned some good stuff. Nobody really disputes that. You know what they dispute? The resurrection. Mm-hmm. And see, that's where the emphasis is at. Because he lives, he rose again the third day, not in spirit, because some people will believe that. Well, he rose spirit. That's your Gnostics, that's your name it and claim it crowd. That's the crowd that says, no, God's got to do what you say. They have that other Jesus they're pushing, that substitute Jesus. I'm talking about the real Savior that rose bodily from the grave. And he says there's plenty of eyewitness testimony. And in this day, at the time of this writing, most of those people were still alive. He said, why did he throw that in there? Because those people, if they doubted the word of the Apostle Paul, they could go and interview those people. And here's why. You know how you get at the truth? It has to endure cross-examination. That's how you get at it. You don't run around and tell your truth. And then say, well, I don't want to be asked no questions. That's not how God works. That's not how the Bible works. He's alive. And there was eyewitness testimony that stood up to cross-examination. Their witness was true. And it was so true that the Pharisees got together and paid off the soldiers to say, you need to lie and say his disciples come and stole his body away. And they're still running with that story. That must have been quite a bit of money in to subvert the truth. Imagine that. Oh, they couldn't deny the fact of the matter that the tomb was open. But we're not going to tell the whole story about how that angel appeared and blew that door off that track and Christ come walking out of there. They left that part out. Why? Because that didn't fit their narrative and their ideology. But because he lives... Our preaching of the cross is real and it's powerful because He lives. Our faith, our salvation is real. Verse 17, He says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Our faith is real. All other faiths and religions are vain faiths. I understand there's a great movement today. Why can't we just all get along and hold hands and... We just all try. Here's how they say this. We're all trying to reach the top of that mountain. We're just taking different paths. You didn't get that out of this Bible. It was clear. Jesus said, I am the way. That article, the, means only one. I am the truth and I am the life. You see, all other faiths and religions are vain faiths. Their authors were never heard from again or seen after they died. Because He lives, our faith is real. No other person in history has ever done this. And only God can live again. Because He lives, our sins are gone. He says if Jesus is not living today, you're still in your sins. Jesus paid the sin debt of the world because he lives when we trust in him. Jesus washes our sins away because he lives. My accounts with God has been put right. Sin, according to this Bible, must be dealt with. It offends God. Nobody ever wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to say, well, this offends me or that offends me. How about God? This country needs to ask that question Do we offend God? Sure. This nation is offensive to God right now in its present shape. And I don't know how much longer it's going to go before God just raptures us out of here. But we're close. Sin costs God His blood, the blood of Christ. Because He lives, our sins are gone. Because He lives... Verse 18, and this is comforting. Our loved ones are in heaven. Did you see that? This is verse 18. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Many of you have loved ones that are in glory. I got some loved ones that are in glory. They've died. If Jesus is not alive, they're gone forever. Boy, that's not very comforting, is it? Mm Mm-mm. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says comfort one another with these words. He says when Christ comes back, he's bringing those loved ones that were saved back with him and will meet them in the air because he says the dead in Christ shall rise first. He says if Christ is not alive, they're perished, they're gone. Boy, I'm glad he's alive this morning because we got something to look forward to. I've been at the bedside of some saints of God and I've been there witnessing their final words and there's some things they all have in common. Number one, all these people said God's in the mountains. God's on high, God's in the mountains, okay? I believe that. But then they begin to describe, as they're crossing over, they're in death. They're crossing over. They'll describe a river. They'll describe a city they can't see real plainly. But what they can see is loved ones who have went on before. And they'll describe them. They'll begin to try to talk to them. And then they'll describe an angel crossing that Jordan coming to get them, to take them on the other side. He said, well, that's probably hallucinations. Then why would people that are saved, that don't know each other, begin to describe the same things? I'm telling you, they're getting ready to cross over. They're saints of God. And one of the things that comforts us because He lives is we got saved loved ones over there, and they're waiting on that other shore for us. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Our loved ones are in heaven the ones that trusted Christ. You see, when we grieve over a saved loved one who has died, it's a lot different than grieving over a lost loved one that has died that was not saved. We call it around here, it's a graduation. And yes, it's hard. When you lose somebody you're close to and you love and they're gone, there's, there's a hole there. But it sure is comforting No. I'll see them again. I'll see them again. They're with Jesus because he lives. Because he lives, verse 19, we have a hope that is steadfast and sure. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. He says, look, this is not some uh, uh, fairy tale that we've, put together to make you feel good in the moment, to put more money in the plates so we can make merchandise of you. There's something real to this. It has some substance. It has evidence. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen is, not that's Jesus. He rose. This gospel that we preach is just not a story. This hope is a assurance that God promised and He will perform. Romans 15 says this, For whatsoever things were written, aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. He's not using the word hope like we use the word like, I hoped it didn't rain today. No, no, in, in this Bible... In your legal document, hope has a little different definition. This thing is based upon solid fact that everything this Bible has said about Jesus and any prophecy that it has made in in the past has come to pass. Therefore, anything that he says that's going to happen in the future will be just as true and just as real. And it gives us hope because he lives. Christ is coming again because He lives. Everything in this Bible is true. Verse 23, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ, it is coming. Talking about the catching away of the saints. The rapture. Christ is coming again. Everything in the Bible that says that Jesus is coming again is 100% true. He is coming again. He came the first time. He'll be here the second time. Because He lives, death will be destroyed, according to verse 26. No more dying. No more getting old. Can't wait. (laughs) Can't wait. No more losing loved ones. Can't wait. Because He lives... According to verse 28, Christ will rule forever. Oh, what a wonderful time that will be. Not only is Jesus coming back, he's coming to rule and to reign forever. Jesus will fix the government. It it needs help, don't it? Yeah. Well, I got news for you. It's not going to be fixed until Christ comes. I'm sorry, it just ain't. But it needs to be fixed. Jesus will fix the world. Our world's in trouble. And if you didn't know it yet, this world is being conditioned to receive the Antichrist, which is the substitute Jesus. You know that all inclusive one? That one that says, don't worry about sins. Don't worry about that. You stay right where you're at. And the Bible says there'll be no end to his government. That's right. When he sets up that millennial kingdom, and I assure you, he's coming again. He'll be here. It will be literal. It'll be physical. It'll be visible. And he says he will rule it with a rod of iron. And he says, we can lay our heads down at night on our pillows with a comforting thought that Jesus is coming again because he lives. Let us all stand this morning.